Well, hello. We're filming today here at the Our Safe Harbour soundstage. So I hope that you, you enjoy getting a peek behind the curtain, as it were, uh, seeing where we are. Normally, I, I come to you from my home or from my office. And the office was, is uh, lent to me by a very kind person that we really appreciate that. And so is this. Uh, we, we pay a, a fee for uh, use of the studio equipment, but the actual ground stuff and all this beauty is just handed to us. And that's, that's an act of God and a gift of generosity. So here we are, it's Wednesday. So we must be doing our Wednesday Bible study. And so we are. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter one, starting at verse 18. Hope you followed along last week so that you're not out of sync with where we are. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. I will, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. That's uh, out of Isaiah 29, verse 14. Where is a wise person? Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Okay, there's some things to, to unpack here. So who is, um, who, who is perishing here? The, you, you take a look and it talks about it's foolishness to those who are perishing. Here's what Paul's setting up. In Greek culture, and Corinth was absolutely a Greek city, uh, they, therefore, Greek thought would prevail. Whenever um, argument and logic was looked upon as the highest activity one could do. And so people would meet in a public square. Think of uh, people like Socrates and Plato back in the day. Well, that's, that's what they did. And remember when Paul went to Athens, what they were doing? They were gathering around and having their arguments and using their logic. I've seen books and a lot of articles about the logic of our faith in God and the logic of what God has done for us. But Paul here is saying the exact opposite. Paul here is saying what C.S. Lewis often said, and that is one of the reasons C.S. Lewis believed in God was because we could not have come up with this. You know, when you come up with gods and mythology, they do a lot of strange things and a lot of dramatic things, but nothing like this coming to us as a baby through a, a young teenager who's not quite married and then who lives poor and dies poor and comes back without killing people and destroying them, but instead offering forgiveness and peace and telling us to do the same. I mean, there aren't any other mythologies out there that, that come close to this truth. And so Paul's saying, this is, not going to be found out by your preaching. It's not going to be found out by your logic systems. This is something which goes beyond anything we could have cooked up. In fact, he says, God blindsided us. Wise people didn't see it coming. Philosophers didn't see it coming. We didn't see it coming. 
The foolishness of the world, we always look for strength, we look for rank, we look for the movement of armies and even the armies of God. We look for that and God goes a different way. And Paul says, let's not be surprised that people don't get this because this is not what they were expecting. And especially when Paul wrote this around 54 AD, the, the people were still wrestling with this. Who was Jesus? Because we expected him to destroy the Romans for us. And, and we expected him to restore the throne of David in, in such a way that, and some people are still disappointed in that. And some Protestant churches will teach that Jesus came to establish his kingdom, but with all the resistance against him, instead he established a church and later he'll come back to do his kingdom. I don't see any evidence of that in scripture and it smacks of not really understanding the power of God. That men withstood him, so he decided to retreat for a couple thousand years, uh, no, no. And by the way, most people who teach that also believe that he's coming back right now and they can prove it to you, but people have been doing that for 2,000 years, stop it. He'll come back when he wants to, right? Let's not end about the end, uh, worry about the end of the world, let's just be concerned about the end of you me as individuals all right moving on god was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached this phrase is a tough one um, some will say through foolish preaching and people have tried to wrestle with this and said well we shouldn't have needed preaching because it was all the clues were all there in the old testament that's why the preaching is foolish i i think that's reaching i think he's saying Sometimes our preaching seems awfully foolish because we're not getting what God sent us. We're, we're trying to make it logical. We're trying to make it fit our system when he calls us out of all of our systems. The Greek system, the American system, the Malaysian system, the Australian system, whatever you, we have so many nations. We have the Philippines are now, now we have a church in the Philippines that tunes in and, and uses us. Thank God, that's, that's a wonderful thing calls you out of the Philippine uh, tradition. He calls us out of our systems. Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. And he says, stick with it because this is gonna be stronger than what you're up against. Now, why did he say that to them? Because right now their culture is very much against them because none of this makes logical sense. By the way, it, this not just the Greeks, <coughs> excuse me, when Missionaries went into the Nordic areas, think uh, Norway, Sweden, Finland, uh, Denmark, and ran across the Norsemen, the Northmen. They had wanted nothing to do with a God that could be nailed to wood. And when we came back from the dead, didn't kill everybody. They looked upon that as a weak God because they were using human logic, not the, not the logic of God. <coughs> we have a benefit. We can look back over 2,000 years of human history and see the wisdom of God. They didn't have that, remember. Uh, we have the Bible in easily portable format. They didn't have that. So we have a lot of advantages to see more of God's work through the centuries than any of these people did. So they, the believers, feel really attacked, trapped, and isolated. And whenever you feel isolated and trapped and a bit of fear, you tend to strike out against each other, and that was happening in Corinth. So we're going to deal with that, all right? Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. 
Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of noble birth. I'll stop there and say that for, it's gotta be 15, 16, maybe 20 years by now. I haven't really paid attention. I've been part of the um, British DNA project and that, you know, I, my DNA's taken, we read books, we trade stuff. I haven't done that in quite a while, but I've done the DNA testing through a, a few different sources here in the States as a way of testing and comparing with what's already out there. It, it always amazes me when you talk to people, they, especially in America, they're, they're related to some Cherokee princess, they'll say, and I don't even bring up Cherokees invited. They were, they were probably the most open arm people of their time because they would accept anybody, even runaways, slaves, vagabonds, whoever, whoever needed shelter. I mean, they, they had a giving and a welcoming uh, philosophy about them. So that's one thing. Uh, so being a Cherokee doesn't necessarily mean that you were tribal all the way back. And they didn't have princesses. But other than that, everything's, everything's great. And some people have asked me, do I have any royal blood in me? Nope, not a drop, never, at all. I used to kid and say that if 27,416 of the right people died, I'd be king. But that was just a joke. Nope, even then I would be passed over and I'm okay with that. And he's saying, Paul's just saying, listen, who were you? Were you top dog in a town? The wise one walking you know, around the followers going behind them because you're just so smart. Is that why God chose you? Were you that influential? Were you that big, powerful, important? No? Huh. Were you of noble birth? No. Now I want to talk to you right now because especially if you are right now struggling financially, emotionally, maybe in a bad marriage or a broken marriage or no marriage and you wanted a marriage or you're sick you're you know there are times that I, I look at my wife and i'll go i don't know if i'm sick or if this is what growing older feels like and i don't want to go get tested for feeling older because once you're in that system uh you, they i don't want to do that but those of you that are feeling right now like you're not smart you're not influential you're not of real noble birth you are running out of options and you feel isolated you are the very people Paul loves most and Jesus loves most. You are. And that's why you're reaching and seeking after God. And I couldn't be more proud of you. I, I, just, I just couldn't be more proud of you. He goes on and says, God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. I, boy, do I get this. Have you ever read the Old Testament? Who in there do you want to be like? There are not many choices. You want to be like David? I don't think so. David had a lot of serious sin in his life. Okay, okay. How about Elijah? Nah. Prone to mountaintop experiences and then leaping into the valley and not getting out of it. Okay, okay. Job? No, no, no. Don't want to be Job. Uh, Jeremiah? No, no, don't want to be him at all. Uh, Sarah? No, look at the life she had to live. 
again, these are not the people you would have picked. If, if you and I were God, we would have hovered over the planet and picked the good looking king guy. And you might say, well, God did with David. Yeah, but God knew what was gonna happen with David too. Uh, we're gonna pick the, the influence. And when, and when God picked him, he was just a boy, a shepherd, and the last one anybody expected. Remember that. He, he, you, we would have picked uh, the army. We would have picked a real strong line. I, I can tell you personally, and I don't wanna make this class about me, I am the least qualified to do this. I've, I've, I've been very, very open about that my entire time teaching scripture, is that I don't have degrees in this. I had to learn this wrestling with God. I had to learn this by reading, 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 and I'm still reading, and I'm still learning. And I, I imagine I'll still change my position on things, but not on who Jesus is. No, that is the, that's the morning star that keeps me going in the right direction. But I am a man of sin. I have the same sins you have. They may take different forms, but we're all in need of a savior. And Paul's saying, God is, is, is turning the world upside down. Remember, that was a charge against the apostles. These men have turned Jerusalem upside down. Yes, and that's on purpose. Don't mean to be crass. This is biblical. If God can use the jawbone of an ass back in Samson's time, he can still use my jawbone, which may or may not be the jawbone of an ass. That's up to you to decide how about. Actually, it's up for God to decide. But again, if we cannot laugh at ourselves and understand our own weaknesses and, and our, own, um, oh, our own struggles, well, then that's pretty sad. Because you see, it's in our weaknesses. We look back and see all the good that we've done and we're going, well, that had to be God. Because it certainly wasn't me. And that's the point. God doesn't do it the way the world would do it. He, cho he chooses people that the world would not choose. He goes, it is because, verse 30, because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. In other words, turn everything upside down. What looked like foolish is now wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And that's from the very sad and the very broken man, Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 4. He continues here. This really shouldn't be a chapter break. The chapter break probably should have happened back in chapter 1, verse 26. Chapter, one, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Have you ever wondered why our Safe Harbor Church says, come one, come all, you are all welcome home. Have you ever wondered why we, we don't put any limits on you? We don't say, you have to agree with this. Why we even accept unbelievers who are still reaching, still searching? Well, because that's how we come. All we know is like Paul. All we know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, why didn't he say and risen? Like, because it was the crucifixion that was a huge sticking point for the Greeks with all their logic and the Jews with all their hope for a Messiah. It didn't turn out like they hoped. And the Greeks were saying, none of this makes sense. 
So Paul says, but that's the only message I come to you with. That you have to understand God makes the world not make sense anymore. He turns it upside down and gives the meek will inherit the earth. Wow. Almost like Jesus knew what he was talking about, eh? Of course he did. I knew nothing but him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. I don't know what that's all about. It is probably has something to do with the house arrest and some of the hounding he was already getting. Uh, it was already beginning when he wrote First and Second Thessalonians and Galatians. And this is about three years later. And in that gap, uh, there have been a lot of bad things happened to Paul. And I imagine it shook him up pretty hard. My message and my preaching were not with wise and per persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now, the, I know, and I'm dear friends with people who believe that they have power to do certain miracles and that God gave them that so that they can uh, spread the gospel. And I'm not here to judge the, any person's experience. I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. The Spirit's power is to take a wreck like Patrick Mead and still use him. And notice I did not say, saved him and made him great and then used him. I am saved, but I have deep flaws and deep issues, which I dearly wish I didn't have. And I've tried to overcome, but like whatever Paul's thorn in the flesh was, God has never said, okay, I'll just take that from you. He uses me in all my weaknesses and all my faults to do things I could never do. Our safe harbor reaches thousands every week. You'll notice the YouTube counter is not as high as that, but that's because most people are now going through the app on Tithely, and that doesn't trigger it. And they're also going through the website, uh, oursafeharbor.com, and that doesn't trigger the counter besides. We know we're still reaching because we still get messages. And many of you are giving as well to keep this going. But I put the, I don't want to get too distracted. And I went a little commercially there, sorry. Whenever I was uh, dumped and devastated last, last October, we had no idea, my wife and I, how we were going to survive, make a house payment, or what God wanted from us, or it, were we done? Were we done speaking and leading? And it was people like you. You jumped in at five and ten dollars at a time, seriously, and I'm not begging for money, please. I'm, I'm praising you, who launched this, and we had no idea. We didn't want to do this because we didn't, we never thought of it, didn't make sense. Ding, ding, ding. First Corinthians chapter one and two. It, it, there was no security. We could, how in the world could we do this? And look what's happening. Astounding. Just astounding. I come to you in weakness, but God brings the power. He goes on. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the nature. Among, I'm sorry, nature. Among the mature, but not the wisdom of the sage or the rulers of the sage who are coming to nothing. In other words, now, this sounds like foolishness, but you need to understand something. It isn't. What you've been listening to is foolishness. By the way, I, um, I don't understand why we don't get that yet. 
for example, we all agree, drunk driving is wrong. But you can buy cold beer. You can buy cold wine. Liquor stores have parking lots. We will say, I just love this. I'm, I'm going to pay $150 to get a concert seat so I can yell and cheer this amazing singer that in three years is going to be forgotten about and the music's gone and it's not going to hit the greatest hit. And we give our loyalty to, to presidents and to prime ministers that are going to fail us and have always failed us and who will eventually die. God say, and Paul here is saying, you're putting all of your, you know, look at these wise people who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You know, I've often thought of that. I've often thought about what if I could walk in and look at Pilate in the eye. Look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the eye. It wasn't the Jews who killed Jesus. It was the, the, the leading religious elite, the rulers. Common people didn't do it. Scripture says the common people heard Jesus gladly. So what if I could gather them in a room and show them a little slide presentation, maybe a little movie about Jesus risen from the dead and how 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. And then look at them and say, you're on the wrong side. What do you think you're doing? Well, then they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. And then where would, we, where would we be? And I'm aware that that raises all kinds of questions. But the whole point is, had they known, they wouldn't have. But they didn't know. And what Paul's trying to point out is all these wise people, the top knots, all these people that are leading you, not a one of them saw it. Not a one of them knew it. Every single one of them blew it. So why would you rely upon them now? It's a good question. So he goes, however, that is, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, these things God has prepared for those who love him. Comes out of Isaiah uh, chapter 64, verse 4. Most of it, the tagline does it. Uh, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. It's in some manuscripts, it isn't in some others. So, uh, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Now, that one gives me goosebumps yet to this day. Um, what are the deep things of God? I don't know. That the Spirit does. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This makes sense now, doesn't it? I think it does. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. You know, I think the NIV blows a lot of translations, but man, did it nail that one explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. You and I stand in a different reality. Now, quantum physics speaks, uh, well, one, one of the theories in quantum uh, physics speaks 
of an unlimited amount of universes in which everything which is possible has happened or is happening in them. There, there's no proof of this. It just helps solve a couple of mathematical issues with quantum physics. And so it's useful, even though no one that I know of says that it's absolute and truth. Uh, maybe somebody does, but I've, I've not run across them. Um, and that's not an invitation to show me with stuff, by the way. I'm busy doing the Jesus stuff. Uh, we live in an alternative universe than our neighbors do. Now, that'll make us better than our neighbors, but it'll, under, it'll help us understand some of the clashes. You know, whenever they come and they say, if we don't elect this person, we're all doomed. And the other one, no, we have to elect this person, we're all doomed. You live in a place where you know, no, we're not doomed. No, we are saved. God has touched us. We don't live in fear because of that. First John, perfect love cast out fear. And we have the perfect love of God. So we're, we just, other people are unkind to waiters or waitresses, what we now I think just call servers to get rid of the sexually uh, loaded terms. Um, so, okay, servers. Well, we're not gonna ever be mean to them. Even if the food's wrong, even if they get it wrong, if, we are not going to be mean. We're going to tip because we know they're only making a buck an hour or whatever that state allows because minimum wage does not apply to them in most states. And so we're gonna help them. We're gonna take care of them. We're gonna love them. Why? Because we live in an alternative universe in which um, love for them is greater than our disappointment at whatever just happened. Think about that one. Cool, huh? This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. There's no fantasy. This is the real world we're living in. But the world out there can't see it unless we show it. And we show it through love, if you've been paying attention on Sunday mornings. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. Again, this only makes sense if we approach this with the spirit of God and without the spirit of God, it's not gonna make sense. The person with the spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to mere human judgments for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him we have the mind of Christ. Now, <clears throat> Peter says that Paul writes some things which are hard to understand. And if the apostle Peter can say that, I can say that. And this phrasing in verse 15 and 16 is a little odd. A uh, person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. <clears throat> when we're told, judge not to be not judged, can throw us sideways. I don't think it needs to. We make judgments about what our response will be to this world. We judge ourselves. We say, Patrick, with your abilities and your inability, inability, with what you've got and understanding what you don't have, this is how best to respond to this. <coughs> that requires, by the way, that we go to the second system in our brain, and maybe one of these days we'll do a series on the brain. 
because uh, that's that's what I studied and know about. But you you basically have two systems in your brain. One is the first reaction one. Uh, we often call that the reptile brain or the snake brain or the primitive brain. But that's that's what whenever you're out in the field and you hear rustling in the grass, you think lion or snake uh, before you actually start running the calculus and think, well, no, snakes are in hibernation and lions don't live in this guy. <laughs> there's a second slower system and Paul's trying to get you into that slower system. Think, don't be a marble in a pinball machine that reacts, reacts to everything. Choose and choose the mind of Christ. Everything Jesus did was intentional, saturated with love. And it's coming up on 30 minutes and I always wanna stop around that time. I look forward to next week uh, when we will look at chapter three, the church and its leaders, because you see, there were some problems in Corinth and a lot of them didn't like Paul. And so he's gonna deal with some of this as we go ahead. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. And I look forward to next Wednesday. Remember, you can tune in anytime at our website, rsafeharbor.com. And you can go on to the app store, download the Tithely app, the blue one, and then search for Our Safe Harbor Church and get the app. And you'll have every lesson, every sermon, every worship, the sermon notes, our prayer requests, any, uh, the ones that are public, and things like that all in your phone, no notifications, it just comes. Isn't that brilliant? I think it is. God bless you. See you next week. Cheers.